It's been four years since the Federal Financial Institutions Examination Council issued updated authentication guidance, which focuses on helping banks and credit unions defend against account takeover schemes. Since then, institutions have made significant investments in new technologies, systems, and procedures to shore up their defenses and abilities to detect and prevent account takeover schemes. But according to a recent study conducted by Information Security Media Group and sponsored by online security firm Fish Labs, those investments have had little impact on reducing fraud associated with account takeover. Here, John LaCour, CEO of Fish Labs, explains why fraud linked to account takeover has been difficult for banking institutions to mitigate and why the FFIEC's recommended security controls have fallen short. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, John, as I mentioned in the introduction, banking institutions say the investments they've made in security controls recommended by the FFIEC back in 2011 have had little impact on actually reducing fraud associated with account takeover. In fact, according to our survey, which included responses from some 150 U.S. banking institutions, 71% of respondents say account takeover incidents have either stayed the same or increased, and 59% say losses have either stayed the same or increased. Why do you think that's the case, John? Well, it's interesting. There have been a lot of investments and additional controls in an attempt to lock fraud, but unfortunately, as the survey results show, the number of incidents and fraud losses continue to grow. I think this is partly explained by just the prevalence of cybercrime. Attacks like phishing, banking trojans, telephone phishing remain pervasive, if not more so, as they have been in the past. You know, part of the challenge here is keeping up with these attacks, not just the volume of them, but how they've evolved to become more resilient and to work around the countermeasures we, as the good guys, are putting against them. John, would you say that banking institutions are doing a better job today than they were, say, four years ago at detecting the attacks? I think it's the contrary. I think that most of the investments and the focus has been on catching attacks after account credentials have already been compromised. And so you see that in terms of using things like device fingerprinting, fraud analytics to investigate transaction patterns and that sort of thing, where we see perhaps underinvestment is in detecting attacks up front to prevent accounts from being taken over in the first place. Customer education was a big focus of the FFIEC's updated authentication guidance. Do you think the customer education isn't working? So customer education has been a focus for some institutions and some have had some benefit. But the customer has to want to be educated in the first place. And so you're only going to be able to reach a subset of your customer or member base and to educate them on the risks that are out there. Certainly it's worthwhile but by itself, it's not going to have a dramatic impact on fraud. Now, according to our survey, institutions say that common online authentication and transaction monitoring controls that they have in place across the financial industry are not quite adequate. Why do you think institutions feel that way, John? Well, I think that institutions feel that those controls are not adequate because fraud is still happening. You know, they're looking to buy hardware and software solutions off the shelf that's going to stop fraud, and that's just not realistic. Every time we implement better controls, we're really teaching the attackers to evolve. And those sorts of controls also are focused on catching accounts that have already been compromised. And so you're also in a time race in that case to catch those transactions before the money's out the door rather than preventing the account from being compromised in the first place. So John, let's go back to touch on something that you mentioned earlier. That's about what you deem to be the greatest vulnerability. You mentioned phishing attacks. Are phishing attacks the greatest vulnerability, or are there other types of schemes that are just getting through because they're so much more sophisticated? That's a great question. And in our experience in working with our clients, we continue to see phishing attacks. They've been around for over 15 years. They're not going away. They're kind of the attack attackers use to throw up against the wall and see what sticks. 
What's perhaps should be more of concern are the malware attacks or banking trojans. Today we have sophisticated malware and new versions being created almost on a daily basis that is able to circumvent controls. They're able to circumvent two-party controls. They're able to circumvent device fingerprinting. They're able to circumvent many times user behaviors, monitoring type solutions. And so we see that as really as the most sophisticated threat that may lead to the highest losses per incident. Another angle that we see particularly affecting smaller institutions is telephone phishing or vishing. Every day we detect new attacks targeting credit unions, community banks, and these attacks are primarily being used to compromise card data for users. And they're, they're very difficult because of the nature of how the attack is leveraged. It's more difficult to gain visibility into those attacks than your typical phishing attack that you might have reported via email by your clients. John, you mentioned that some of these malware attacks and the attacks that your firm has been looking at are bypassing some of the controls that institutions have in place. Why is authentication such a challenge for banks and credit unions? Is it because these attacks are just so sophisticated? Well, security is always a trade-off. Obviously, the more controls we put in place, the more friction we create for our customers and our members. And so institutions have the challenge of trying to thread the needle and find the right balance there. And authentication, by definition, you're identifying a person. But in the online world, there's not a physical person there for you to look at, to touch, to fingerprint. So instead, we're using a PC fingerprint, we're using your mobile phone as really a proxy for identifying the end user. And that's why fundamentally authentication is such a challenge. As long as there's a technical component in the process, the attacker will have a foothold there to exploit that authentication mechanism. Do you think too many institutions are still relying on KBA, Know Your Customer Authentication? Well, I would certainly say that should be part of one of the tools in the toolbox to reduce the amount of fraud experience. And certainly, when you look at other related types of problems like money laundering, KBA becomes very important. So I think it should be part of the the tool chest, but in terms of account takeover and fraud losses due to transfers by cyber criminals, it's going to have minimal impact in those scenarios. Let's talk a moment, John, about some of the new schemes that we've seen in the industry. And one that comes to mind are these business email compromise attacks. Do you think that because of these new types of attacks, banks have a perceived growth of account takeover losses that maybe isn't really realistic? Well, you could argue in the case of business email compromise that accounts are being taken over, legitimate users being tricked into doing things they should not. So it's a little bit different sort of animal. To combat those sorts of attacks, education is important and will have some effect at reducing those sorts of attacks. But at the end of the day, what's happening here, and we see this with all types of cybercrime and attacks, is that there's been a shift from attacks that are strictly exploiting technical controls to attacks that are really exploiting people and getting them to do things they should not. We've seen many cases of CFOs being tricked into wiring funds by fake email spoofing a CEO. We see cases where investment brokers are being tricked into sending money on behalf of their client, where their client is being spoofed. You know, you can't buy a piece of hardware or software when what you really need is a human firewall. And so this is a different type of attack, but it's something that does have a tremendous effect upon financial institutions. And really, the solution is going to be education and having a very strict policy for employees that they should never transfer funds based on instructions from an email or telephone call alone.
So, John, is there no technology out there that banks could be or should be investing in that could help to fix this type of problem that's related to business email compromise? Well, so analyzing transaction behavior may have some help with that, but if the transfer is initiated by the authorized user, whether it's a broker or CFO or other legitimate user acting legitimately on behalf of that customer, chances are it's still going to get through. One of the things that we would recommend is to certainly educate your employees, educate your customers, and fundamentally you need to have a policy that prohibits transferring funds based on either an email or phone call itself. So technology can help, but it's a much different type of problem, and so education really is the key to to stopping those types of attacks. Looking across the board, John, and this would go beyond just the business email compromise attacks that we're talking about, should banks and credit unions be investing more in anomaly detection and behavioral analytics? Well, we think they should be investing more in detecting attacks that are attempting to compromise accounts, further up in the attacker's workflow, if you will, to try to stop attacks. If you're detecting anomalies, then the bad guy is already in the door. So what do we need to do to prevent the bad guy from getting in the door in the first place? And so detecting phishing attacks, detecting malware attacks, implementing technologies and services to help mitigate those attacks by blocking them or taking them offline, we see as a key opponent to try to reduce the amount of fraud that's experienced. Now, you know, there's some great anomaly detection solutions that are on the market. They raise the bar, but again, a multi-layered approach is what's needed to significantly impact fraud these days. John, do you feel that the FFIEC guidance fell short? So I think it's good guidance, but I think there's a couple of things. There are some things that the FFIEC guidance hasn't addressed around detection and preventing of attacks. It has better addressed how to respond to attacks when they occur or when the attacker's in the door and to mitigate fraud losses at that point. The other challenge that FFIEC has is that cybercrime evolves very quickly, much faster than guidelines and recommendations can be updated. And I know that they've tried to manage that somewhat by giving some flexibility in, in the guidance, but the reality reality is that we're always going to be in response mode. So that needs to be part of your game plan is not just buy a solution and forget about it, but having a process that continually looks at the available intelligence and information and behavior and how tax work technically and continually factoring that in and evaluating your controls and your response in order to have an effective anti-fraud program. John, do you think we could see another update to the guidance, or do you think regulators will try to compensate for some of the 2011 guidance's shortcomings through the new guidance that they have issued for cyber resilience? Well, I think they're going to need to update the guidance you know, on an ongoing basis because things are just changing so quickly. And so similarly to how we've seen PCI updated over the years to keep up with the threats, I would expect to see the same thing with regards to FFIEC guidance. So I want to go back to our survey for just a moment. Noting that the guidance has not necessarily helped institutions to curb some of the losses associated with account takeover, banking institutions don't rank account takeover, which is linked to ACH and or wire fraud, as their greatest concern. In fact, according to the survey, 33% say that card fraud is their greatest worry. Does that surprise you? Well, I guess it depends on how you're evaluating that. In terms of the volume of incidents, card fraud is a huge problem. In terms of actual impact to the bank or credit union, it might be less. You probably have fewer incidents related to banking trojans compromising an account, but when that happens, you know, it could be tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, potentially even millions of dollars that are out the door. You know, there's also the customer relationship aspect to this where you may have 
customers calling you. You may have tens or hundreds of customers calling you every day because their credit card got compromised. And so it feels like a much bigger problem. But are you likely to lose that customer permanently because of that event? I think in, in most cases the answer is no. But in the case of an account takeover where thousands of dollars are being widened out the door, I, I think customer is at greater risk of being lost in that case. So I guess it doesn't surprise me to see that in the survey results, but I think we need to filter that through the lens of um, are we talking about impact to retaining customers? Are we talking about dollar losses? Are we talking about the number of incidents? And, and I think if we looked at overall impact to the business of the financial organization, it might be ranked differently. So John, what's your overall take on the survey's results? Are there any trends or points that I haven't thought to ask about that stand out to you? What I found most interesting is that most organizations feel that their anti-fraud programs are above average. So it feels like we're living in Lake Wobegon where everyone's above average, but yet they also report that fraud incidents and fraud losses are increasing. So there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect. At the same time, the overall trends were that organizations were continuing to invest in security and that security and fraud control budgets were increasing. So there is an acknowledgement in that way that more needs to be done. The overall takeaway for me is that it's really difficult to measure the effectiveness of your controls and cybercrime and account takeover is not going away. Attackers are becoming more sophisticated. And so the response, as long as that trend continues, response will continue to evolve and we'll have to invest greater and to control the fraud. Well, John, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tracy, for having me. Again, we've just heard from John LaCour of Fish Labs. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.